Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Isaiah chapter 6 is where I want us to go in the scripture, and uh, I'm going to do my best to make it here because I'm not going to read this towards, uh, until towards the end of the message, but I want you guys to go ahead and get there. And so I also want to start us off by doing something. It's just a little activity. It's kind of an activation, all right? I want you to stare at the four red dots, all right? For 30 seconds, don't look around the image, just four Four red dots for 30 seconds, okay? Just stare at it for 30 seconds. Only the red dots. Many of you know where we're going with this. Don't blink. Keep them open. All right. Sorry about you guys watching at home. We didn't put this online for you guys. Now close your eyes. Just let the image come into play. You see it? All right. And to us, that appears to be an image of Jesus. What, you know, just, just, a, just an image of what we believe Jesus might have looked like. What you have there is you have a lasting image. You have a lasting impact. Like just looking at those dots, you know, for 30 seconds and then just closing your eyes, that image had had made an impression on your optics. You can see that just by looking at it for a little bit. What if, guys, when we walked away from encounters with people, just think about it. We're the light. We're the image bearers of Christ. What if when we came into contact with people in our community, when we walked away, they saw this lasting impression? Like, like what what if we made a lasting impact on these people? So I saw him yesterday. I turned down aisle nine in Lowe's, and there was Joe. I didn't know his name was Joe, but I would soon find out that his name was Joe. But when I turned down the aisle, I saw this little crooked figure, and he was struggling to get a cooler down from the second shelf. And so I saw him, and I'm like, this is my assignment today. This is my opportunity to make an impact. And so I walked down the aisle, and I said, sir, can I help you with that? And with his stiff little crooked frame, he, he looked and careening out the corner of his eye, this little smile came across his face. And he said, young man, I just turned 55. <laughs> young man, I would appreciate that very much. See, Joe was 85. And as I began to talk to him, he said, 
my old body don't work like it used to. See, I have stage four cancer. And he said, I've just got a little while to live. And I'm like, oh, this is my opportunity. This is one of my assignments. But can I tell you what happened to me? My flesh kicked in. Because you know what? It was also church work day. And I was sent to Lowe's to get some more pot and soil. And I knew Dennis and Jim were wondering, where is that sorry deadbeat pastor of ours? (laughs) So I felt my flesh. I felt it welling up inside of me. And I'm like, oh, you know, I've got so much. And, and, And Joe... Like, I'm telling you, that cancer didn't have nothing on his linguistic skills because he talked and talked and talked and talked. And we spent about 15 minutes, and we talked about so many things. And before I got into it with Joe, I said, um, I don't know if you are a God-believing man. I said, but would you mind if I prayed for you? And he said, oh, I couldn't have made it this far without him. And I'm like, oh, well, I know now that we're brothers, all right? So immediately I knew this wasn't a salvation assignment. You know, I knew this wasn't a me witnessing the, the, the gospel of salvation. So I quickly found out that Joe was a believer in Spanish Fort Baptist Church. And he told me some things and, you know, go, going on. And, I mean, we, he, he brought up Holy Spirit and all of these different things about, uh, you know, I tell you what, when we get to heaven, he said, I, I think the biggest thing that we, we, we might have to explain is why we did so little with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just telling you, in my tradition, when I was raised up, I was raised up to think Baptist folks were ignorant about the Holy Spirit. That, those, those people do not know anything about the Holy Spirit. Well, old Joe proved me wrong. Because he, I mean, he was just talking so beautiful about it. I mean, he made an impact on me, and I made an impact on him. We prayed right there in the middle of Lowe's, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful time. And I'll guarantee you that when we walk away from that, I won't forget Joe, and Joe will not forget me. Oh, he might forget my name, because it's always hard to explain that your name is rife to people. Um, But he'll remember that young man uh, who prayed for him in Lowe's. And I'll remember all of the things that he told me about how money, pastor, money is nothing but a use for the kingdom. He's, I'll never forget that he told me, he, and he was so proud of it, not proud in a look at me and everything I've done, but proud in a look at how I've been able to partner with the kingdom. I'm just a little old man with stage four cancer, but I met with my missionary the other day when he came here from Uganda, and he gave me a report on the well that we dug. He said, me, a little old man from Spanish Fort, Alabama, I've got five wells in Africa. I've got one church in Mozambique. I've got, you know, and he was just telling me about this, and I'm going, look at you. Making the impacts. You go ahead on with your 85-year-old and stage four ain't got nothing on you, you know. 
It was a beautiful moment. It really was. It was a beautiful moment. This is what we're going to define impact in this series. This is what we did at the men's retreat. This is, what we're, this is how we're defining impact. It's an encounter that has a life-changing effect on another's life. You know what? We prayed for healing. We prayed for healing over Joe's body. And I don't know if I'll ever see him, but this is what I told him. I said, Joe, I don't know if I'm going to see you on this side of eternity. But the first thing we do uh, when we get to, you know, whoever makes it there first, let's look each other up in heaven, okay? And then I want you to tell me some more about your exploits for the kingdom. It's a life-changing effect on another's life. So when I talk about You are women of impact. You are men of impact. We are a church of impact. It's like we are uh, places that foster, that host life-changing encounters with people. All right? So look at Acts chapter 8 on the screen. This has been on uh, on in our messages and on our screens for a few weeks. Holy Spirit says, you'll receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. In other words, you are going to make an impact. You are going to be my witnesses. You are going to have uh, encounters with people that are going to have life-changing effects on their lives. Are you following me? Like, because, you know, I, I want it to sink in deep. Because if you're not... Careful, it, what happens is, is this just becomes me reading a scripture and saying what I think. This is, this is life, real life. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we receive power. And that's to be his men and women of impact. We just go out and we, we witness, we witness. As a matter of fact, Joe said something to me in our conversation. And it's 15 minutes, to, uh, so I can't remember everything. But he said a few things that impacted me. And one of the things that he said to me is, I say this to us often. He said, he said uh, I never told him I was a pastor. I never told him anything about that. That's not important. It's not germane to our conversation. We're just two brothers on aisle nine praying for one another and encouraging one another. But he said something to me. He said, you know, Holy Spirit says that we're his witnesses. And I'm like, oh, we're talking about that tomorrow. He said, and you know, he said, he said, friend, my job is just to, is just to be light. He's like, I don't have any other obligation. He's like, I just have to be light. In other words, he, he's not on trying to get anybody saved. He's not a, trying to get anybody converted. He's not trying to get the Jehovah's Witness converted. to. I mean, I'm telling you what, we spent so much of our Christian life doing stuff like that, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that uh, we, we try to... All right, you remember back in our worship a few minutes ago? It's like uh, we, we give you our praise... Before we give you our problems. Most of us are wanting to solve problems. See praise is a relationship. Praise is a relationship. That's why uh, man you can, you can get mad at me if you want to. But I'm here to tell you the truth. Not to tell you what you want to hear. I'm just here to tell you the truth. I just don't see how a person can say. I am in relationship with the Lord. And not be demonstrative in their worship. I 
I can see that when somebody is not developed in their faith, because I used to be that person. I used to be the person that stands there and sings like this. I used to be the person that, believe it or not, I can't even imagine me doing this now, but I used to be the person that stands like this while, you know, praise and worship. I, I, I can't, I just don't get that. Why? Because I'm in relationship with the Lord. And I just want to express, you know, it's like I want to talk with my hands. I, uh, you know, I talk to you with my hands. And we, we, we have these classes and things for public speaking and stuff. And they're like, you know, don't, 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 ever, don't ever just, you, you don't ever want to walk around talking like this. It's so good to see you today. Thank you for, you know, I've got something I want to tell you today. No, it's like, no, you got these things and you use them and you use them in a certain way. And why is that? Because they're methods of expression. And before any uh, Tony Robbins ever discovered how to be a motivational speaker and how to use these things right here, God says, Come on, all you holy people, lift your hands, lift your holy hands in the house of the Lord. You know, all of these different things. So, anyway, as we, as we worship him, man, it's all about coming into relationship with him and, and, and praising him. We'll give him the problems later. But so many times we want to fix people's problems without building a relationship with them. Listen, listen. That is not the way to do things. There are times where it's like, hey, do you know the Lord? Because you're fixing to meet him. You had a car accident, you ain't got time to say, hey, if you make it out of this alive, do you want to go for coffee next Tuesday? You know, my, or you want to come over to the house? My, my wife makes a mean beef of stroganoff. You know, we don't have time for that. Listen, uh, you might, and, and don't ever lie to people. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You don't know that unless you're a medical person. Like you better be leading that person to Jesus and say, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? You know, lead, lead them to the Lord. But so many times what happens, guys, is we're trying to fix people's spiritual problems and all of that before we build the relationship. I'm telling you what, I will buy something from you. I'll listen to you once we build a relationship. But, like, don't be coming and trying to, you know, to, to, to convert me over to anything. Like, don't be coming selling me any Amway. I don't want it. Don't be trying to sell me your latest dietary product. I don't care. Like, now, if you are a friend of mine, like Shay's mom's on this uh, uh, thing, and she's like, hey, I got this stuff, and I'm gonna, if y'all want the name of this, you can get it after Shay, uh, after all this with Shay. But she came in there, and she's like, I got something. I got something for you. She's this little old tube about this big, and she's like, now, you don't need much. She's like, just boop, 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 bing, bing, bing. And it's like, sit there and watch it. I was like, not watching it. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. Mm, I'm watching it. What? But if somebody walked up to me on the street, I'm like, uh-uh, don't be selling me none of your product. I don't even want to hear it. But I'll take it from a mother-in-law because she tried it. It worked. I'm in a relationship with her. You follow me what I'm saying? I'm like, it is so about relationship when it comes to witnessing. Well, I'm going to bring my friend to church. Listen, can I just tell you, don't bring your friend. Oh, this is, oh, please, 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 please. See, we ain't everybody else's church. I had one of my friends, and they were so proud. And, and I'm like, yeah, I need to get some of those Easter invite cards and give to y'all too. Um, but we ain't everybody else's church. 
They were so proud of their Easter invites. And I'm like, man, those look amazing. And they were. They looked great. I'm like, I wish you would make me some. But, you know, maybe we could scratch their church name out on the back and (laughs) write it in. But here's the deal. If you invite your friends to church and you haven't spent any time on the outside talking to them about what's fixing to happen in this room, because now I'm not, this is not throwing shade on any other church, okay? They do it the way they do it. We do it the way we do it. We're called to be us and they're called to be them. But now if they come in this room and they think that this service is for them, Like, this service is not for even me or you or us. This gathering is for the king. This gathering is just for us to live up praises to him. And if somebody comes into this room and they're not in relationship with him, they will not understand. Like, what does he keep saying? Let's just sing a new song. What does that mean? You know, man, you... You, if you're going to bring somebody, and I challenge you in a good way, like, yes, bring people. But before you bring them, please witness to them out there. Witness to them. Build relationship with them. Get into conversations with them. If they're having trouble in their marriage or in their finances or whatever, or they're feeling lost or they're dealing with whatever things, witness to them out there and say, man, I'm just telling you, God, blah, 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 you get into it, y'all talk about it. And it's like, if you'll just come be in the presence of the Lord. Like, now, when you come to church, and I don't know, maybe we just need to spend time in some training in services and in small groups because everybody in the church doesn't always come to small groups, so you got to do it in multiple venues. But just sharing how to invite people to church and how to explain to them what you're about to walk into, all right? Now, I don't know if you've ever gone into a meeting or if you've ever gone into a venue or, or whatever and you've never been there before, but the person that invited you said, so... Now, what you're about to walk into, and then they explain to you, they explain to you what it looks like, they explain to you words that are going to be used, they explain to you, like, that, that you need to be doing that to your friends. Like, somebody, when they show up here, listen... They should not be freaked out when somebody begins to speak in another language. Like they shouldn't, uh, why? Because you should have already prepped them for that environment. Now there's going to be some, some cat, he looks like he drives the meanest Harley Davidson motorcycle and he's going to pull out this thing and it looks like, you know, some curly Q, uh, you know, trumpet thing and he's going to pull it out and he's going to be like, burr, burr at some point in, in the worship service, like, man, don't let that freak you out. Why? Well, th- what that is, it's in Scripture and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Pastor Rife, I don't know all that stuff. You should. You should. You should. You should. You should know these things because they're in the Word. And if you're in the Word, you would know those things. And it's like, man, there are times where, you know, we'll go down front and blah, blah, blah. And So you're just acclimating them before they get here. And it's like when they, when they hear old... Uh, um, you know, Doug the biker in the back go, boop, boop. They're not like, what the heck? You know, 
No, because why? You have witnessed to them already. You just tell them, you know? So he says, you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, okay? Jerusalem is home. Jerusalem is destiny, church. You'll be witnesses at Destiny Church. You'll be witnesses at your house. You'll be witnesses to your grandkids, your, your nephews. Your, your, you'll be witnesses. Jerusalem is your job where you are. Judea is somewhere else. Judea is when I go to another church and minister. Judea is when I go minister at my Baptist friend's church, okay? Because how I minister at Jerusalem and how I minister at the Baptist church that my friend pastors are two different things, all right? So, however, you know, Jerusalem is home. Judea is when you go off on a work conference and you're doing a training in another area, not your place, all right? Samaria, Samaria is the place where they considered those people dogs. They didn't even want to go through that city. Samaria is the place you don't feel comfortable in. Samaria is the place that you don't even want to go. Maybe you don't even like those people. You know what I'm saying? It's like Samaria is where where we are called. Just because we don't like somebody, just because they're different than we are, just because it's out of our comfort zone, we are not exempt from being light in those areas. I'm telling you what, I remember when I worked for the public school system and I, whoo, it was a lot. And I ain't even joking, man. I, if I'm lying, I'm dying. My wife can attest to it. I would have teachers hit on me in front of my wife. Like, dude, how disrespectful is that? Am I lying? I ain't thinking I'm all that in a bag of chips. Am I? Even though I am. But I'm not making it up. I'm not making it up. And it's like, you know, and it it was just a heavy, heavy atmosphere. She's been in it for years. It was new to me. And I was overwhelmed. And I I went into the teacher's bathroom, and it's just a one one little room with toilet. And, you know, just it's a single use, all right? And I go in there, and I wash my face in the basin, and I'm stressed out. And I'm like, I, I, I'm not used to this, God. I'm not used to these kind of conversations. I'm not used to people hitting on me in front of my wife. You know, I'm not like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, that's just, what do you even do with that? Like, I'm not used to um, the language that they use. Like teachers, like the filthiness I'm not used to that. I'm not used to the kinds of conversations that go on. I'm not used to this kind of disunity among the, among the staff and the, uh, the faculty. And I, I'm not used to that. And I was like, oh, God, you've got to help me. And so I go in there, and I'm just stressed out. And, and I'm like, these people, these people are about to get on my last nerves. And I'm like, God, I'm not used to this. And the Lord just so quickly and gently says to me, these people, you mean my people? He's like, I love all of those people. And he said, he just said to me, he's like, you've been out of the loop too many years. He's like, you've had your head inside of the church for too many years. He's like, welcome to the real world, Rife. Like, this is not, 
This is not a two-hour church service. It's not a small group on Tuesday night. It's not a super-saturated prayer group where everybody's wanting the same thing. You know, sometimes, you know. (laughs) Sometimes some people don't want the same thing, but these are my people. This is the world. This is those, those people are my people. I love those people. Like, you need to just suck it up and go out there and be the light to these people. I had to go be the light. And so I learned to be the light in a different way in Samaria that I couldn't even be in Judea, much less in Jerusalem. But my different zones of impact did not just include Destiny Church a few hours a week. My zones of impact were multiple. And then the outer parts of the earth. Everybody in here is not going to go to the outer parts of the earth. But you can still make a lasting impact. Joe that I met on aisle 9 yesterday with stage 4 cancer who was 85 years old, crooked and couldn't get the cooler off of the second shelf. Do you know that he is going to the outer parts of the earth? How? He's putting a check in there and he's paying for a well. He's starting a home, a, 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 a church in Mozambique. He's going to the outer parts of the earth. We may not be there personally, but we are there. So our zones of impact, we are called to be. And he says, you'll be my witnesses. And there's three things that we need to share the good news because that's what you're sharing, the good news. The gospel, when Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news, he was saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to carry the good news, the gospel. You and I have good news. So many people think they they just don't know how to tell their story. In just a few weeks, we're going to be having a series that will walk us through. How do you tell your story? Because most of us don't know how to witness. Because we, we, we feel like we've got to take people from Genesis to Revelation. And we've got to explain, uh, you know, the diaspora. We've got you know, to get o- over here to the eschatological implications of Revelation. You know, we, we feel like, oh, we've got to be so theological. Bro, that is so not even what it's about. I don't have to be a doctor because I go to a doctor. You don't have to be a theologian because you come to one and several others. You, You see what I'm saying? But you do have to have a general basic knowledge of the word of God. And that's all it takes. And telling the story, three things that you and I need is number one, a call to witness. You just need a call to witness. You need to begin, if you don't already, to look at your life every day when you wake up. Jesus, what's my assignment today? Jesus, what's my assignment today? Look at this scripture. Romans 10, 13 through 15 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yay, that's excellent news. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news, the gospel of Christ. Man, I'm telling you, Jesus, he's looking at us on a daily basis and he's like, man, there go them beautiful feet. Y'all go to work. 
Y'all are going out there, the beautiful feet of those who are carrying the gospel. Well, what does that look like? I'm just telling you, you really need to get into the place of not viewing, sharing, and being a witness, sharing the gospel and being a witness through this religious lens. Like, you've got to get out of that. We've got to get out of that. And that's been poured into us over a period of time, but we've got to let it become so natural to us that it's just telling a story. So there is a calling. In the New Testament, where he's, uh, uh, well, that Romans is in the New Testament. Uh, I'm gonna take you to the Old Testament in just a second. But in the New Testament here, in Romans 10, uh, you know, this is basically uh, paralleled with uh, uh, John 3.16. All right? Or, sorry, sorry, not John 3.16. Yes, John 3.16, God so loved the world. But I'm really thinking of Matthew uh, 28, 19, and 20, where Jesus says, go into all the world. Go into all the world. Mm. Acts 1 and 8. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the earth. Go into all the world, teaching them everything that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's your call. This is your call. And that's your call. If you're thinking, man, I don't really have any assignment. That's for, no, this is for everybody. Every believer, we're called to be the light. So say it with me. I have an assignment every day. I've got an assignment every day. Wonder what it is. Wonder what yours is today. Wonder what yours is, you know, tomorrow. God, what is my assignment today? You need a call to witness. You've already had your call to witness. God's already given it to us. The next thing you need is a compelling story. Well, what's my compelling story? Well, I I got a bunch of them. And I just know because I've developed them over the years because I lived them. I've lived sexual abuse. I've lived that. I've lived that trauma. But... Not everybody wants to hear. It's like, oh my God, you know, I have to hear their trauma story for the 84th time. And their trauma becomes their identity. You know, listen, I'm not a victim of sexual abuse. It's something that happened to me. That has no power over me. It did for a while, but it has no power over me. What is this? That's part of my story. Hey, the enemy sought to mess me up psychologically, sexually, all these different ways, mentally, but he didn't. I've overcome because Jesus overcame. That's, that's my story. That's, that's my good news. That's my good news. Hey, I grew up, you know, we're talking about something. Hey, guess what? I, I, sort, I'm, I don't get it in a personal sense, but I grew up in a family where I lost two brothers to alcoholism a grandmother to alcoholism. So I grew, grew up in a family of alcoholics. I get it. I never touched that stuff, but I get it. All right, that's part of my story. The good news is I am not an alcoholic. Hey, I grew up, I lost a sister to drugs. I get that. I, 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 I witnessed that in multiple siblings of mine. Guess what? I've never taken any illegal substances ever, ever, uh, you know, That's my good story. Um, There's so many other things. So what's your story? What happened to you? Does it always have to be bad, Pastor Rife? No. Like, I think it's beautiful that it's like, hey, 
I was a virgin when I got married. I saved myself. I had many times where I was pressured, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's not my story. That's somebody else's story. But praise God that somebody has some good news, that you you preserved yourself, man. That's awesome. Well, use that when you're talking to people. All you need is a compelling story, and nobody has the same story. Yours is yours. Well, I was raped. Well, I had an abortion. Well, I this, that, and the other. Well, so did she. Well, you can't compare. That's oranges and, and tangerines. They're similar, but they're different. Everybody's story is their unique story. And what you do is you find these stories. Your compelling story is like, um, you know, hey, This is where I was. This is what God did through me. Look at where I am now. And what you do, you tie your compelling story to his story of restoration and redemption. Bada boom, bada bing, there you go. Where you gonna go? What you gonna do, as Patty and Patty say, you know? So calling to witness, a compelling story, and then the courage to tell it. Like you gotta have the courage to tell your story. And it's like you gotta... We're going to practice this. I'm telling you, coming up in a few weeks after Easter, as we go into this, we're going to teach you how to tell your story because your story can't be three hours long. You will, you will drain the goodness out of it, the effectiveness out of it. You got to be able to, you know, put that and, you know, your story needs to be compact. You know, here's the abridged version, but I'm telling you what, we can go into it longer if you want to, but tie it to him and have the courage to tell your story. Now, with the little bit of time that we got remaining, turn to Isaiah chapter six, all right? Isaiah chapter six. You already there, any of y'all? All right, here we go. What's happening, I read a little bit of this at the beginning, and Isaiah is having this vision of the Lord, and he says, In verse 1, chapter 6, it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, and each having six wings. Let me stop for a second and just talk about King Uzziah for, for a moment. So King Uzziah came to the throne when he was, I think, 16, and he served for something like 54 years. He was a good king. He was like, he, he was a uh, very good ruler. He was a very good uh, administrator and, and uh, military strategist. He led Israel through several victories. He's a good king. He's a noble. And, it's, and, and it uh, says that he did right in the eyes of God, as did his father, Amaziah. And so he comes from a lineage of, of good doers. He comes from a lineage of people that did right in the sight of the Lord. But over in Second Chronicles, we find out in you know, some obscure places that um, he died from leprosy. And he was struck with leprosy from the Lord because uh, Uzziah took it upon himself to offer incense in the temple. That's just the priest's job. It is only the priest's job to offer incense. It's only the priest's job to uh, offer sacrifice. And, and, And I want you to listen to this. And if we can just have some music to come. I want you to listen to this. Listen, he was a good man. He was a good man. He was a good king. 
But he made a mistake at the end of his life that ended up costing him his life. He was a good king. He did well among the people and in the eyes of God. But somehow he got off track. Now, Isaiah, he loved this king. He loved this king very much. And this when he said, in the, like, listen, he did not have to start this and say, he, he could have said, that would be like me saying, well, you know, back in 72, uh, just naming the year, back in 72, this, uh, ha- this particular thing happened. And I don't know who was the president in 72. It was, uh, Nixon was kind of coming out and somebody else was going in, Ford maybe. Now, but... It would be like, I just start, well, it was back when President Ford was just coming into office. Why would I even bring that up? Who cares who the ruler was? It was important because of his close connection with the ruler. This this man was endeared to him. And he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, in other words... I remember the time of that vision. Come on. Oh, Jesus. Holy Spirit, help somebody to hear this right now. Holy Spirit. In the year that King Uzziah died. In other words, when I had that vision of the Lord, it was the crappiest time of my life. One of my closest friends died. This situation came up that it's just messy. That's why I remember because it was at the same time. Come on, man. I remember that vision because I remember the day that he offered the incense and we were like, what, 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 are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Please don't do that. Please don't do that. You're not, you're not, you're not ordained. You're not, you're not anointed. You're not chosen. You're not set apart to do that. That's only for the priest. Please don't do that. You know the penalty for this, right? I'm the king. Come on, I'm the king. I remember that vision because all of this was happening. My heart was broken. This close, this close king now has leprosy as a, as, as, as a penalty for what he did. And, and it took his life. It didn't have to be this way, but it was. How did this happen? It did. Can I tell you, where was God in the middle of it? It was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Where is he at? He is sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. And there were mighty seraphim each having six wings. Two wings they covered their faces, two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what we're going through. It doesn't matter what we've been through. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter. None of that. Where is the Lord? Where is the Lord? He is sitting on the throne. 
where he's always been and he will always be. And I don't care what's going on in your world in the sense of God's got it under control. Listen, don't think for a minute because the enemy will get you all your eyes off the prize. He will get you messed up in your mind, in your emotions, and we'll, we'll let the flesh. But you know what you have to do? I literally said this. You can believe me or no. When, I, when my flesh started cringing yesterday when I'm talking to Joe, because I'm like, oh, this ain't going to be a thank you, son, for getting that down, have a good day moment. Joe's fixing a rattle on, and I'm not going to stop him. I don't know how long this is going to take. My flesh is cringing because I've got to get back, and i got to get to my business. You know what I said to my body? In my mind, I... God is my witness. I said, body, calm down. I said, body, calm down. I don't know what, I, I'm not smart enough to know medically what was happening in my body. Now, some of these medical folks can. Well, your adrenaline started, these endorphins, and I, I don't know what all those things even fully mean, but I can tell you I felt them, but I told them, stop that. Because Joe's important right now. Who cares about the potted plants back at the church? And I think I could take Jim and <laughs> Dennis. I'm not sure I could take him. But. but I just, I'm like, no, body calm down. You know what? Why? Do, because God is still on the throne. God is on the throne. He's in the middle of these things. And where is he? Not only is God on the throne, like he's in control, his authority. He ain't lost his authority. He didn't. None of this caught him by surprise. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Your situation has not taken God by surprise. Your situation, he didn't find out about it because you told him, dude, when did that happen? Holy me. I'm like, no, he kn he's known, he's seen this, he cares for you. God is on the throne, but listen, it gets better, it gets better, it gets better. And if somebody would just receive this, because this is speaking to me, definitely. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies, the whole earth is filled with his glory. Come on, man, verse four. Oh my gosh, why can't the day be longer? Uh, so that I can preach this better. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation. And the entire building was filled with smoke. Like the worship that was happening, it wasn't superficial. The worship that was happening didn't shake and rattle the walls and that stuff and these and it rattled the concrete. It shook the foundation. What? In the middle of him dying, in the middle of him being disobedient, in the middle of the, of the nation suffering a national tragedy, Israel's leader has fallen into, into you know, religious sin, spiritual sin, still sin. In the middle of all this, where is God? He's on the throne. What, what, you know, what is happening to the worship? It's still powerful. Mm. <laughs> the foundation, the foundation, 
and the room was filled with smoke. They're not talking about a smoke machine. They're not talking about a fog machine that is pumping out into the temple. That is the Shekinah glory, the physical manifestation of God. What is, what is happening? I'm feeling this better than some of y'all. What is happening? Does nobody care that Uzziah is dead? Does nobody care that our king, our spiritual leader, though he was the king, he was still the spiritual leader. Does nobody, why? Because they're a theocracy. Does nobody care about this? That's how I remember this. Where Where was God on the throne? How was the worship so powerful it shook the foundation? My God. Where was the presence of God? He was hovering in the air. Like he was in the wilderness. Like he was in the holy of holies. Where was he? I'm telling you what. I don't know what you're going through. But your worship can still be powerful. I don't know what your situation is. God is on the throne. I don't know what your situation is. But our praise can still be so powerful that it shakes the foundations. Have you ever had a moment in his presence that shook you to your core? I'm telling you what, y'all aren't as greedy for his presence as I am, I guess. Because I never want to come to the house of the Lord that we go, eh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was, was, how was the word? Heard it heard it better heard it better before I got to church that morning like I never want to come in to a place with the saints of God where it is not just like God rock the foundations rock the foundations oh God rock the foundation we need a fresh wind a fragrance from heaven that's what we need pour it out God pour it out pour it out pour it out pour it out Jesus, thank you, Lord. Oh, my God. In verse 5, it says, And then I said, It's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King of the Lord of Heaven's armies. And then one seraphim flew down with a burning coal, and he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs and he touched my lips with it and said see this coal has touched your lips now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven alright verse 8 here's the call here's the call here's the call in the, in the New Testament the counterpart to this is Matthew 28 19 through 20 then I heard the Lord asking whom shall I send as a messenger to these people. Who will, I, in other words, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, who am I supposed to send into Daphne and Baldwin County and Alabama and the United States and around the world? Who, who am I going to send to these people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. And the Lord said, Yes, go and say to these people, and I'm not going to get in for the sake of time what he says down here, what the message is. For us right now, the message is not important. It's the call. Listen, 
the called. Who is he calling? A sinner. Who is he calling? Somebody who hadn't got their act together. Who is he calling? Not the flashiest person on the planet. Who is he calling? One that he can't even get his, much less his heart. Because we already know he's a man of unclean lips. And your lips only produce what's in your heart. We already know his heart is impure. Because he said that his lips were. Like, who is God calling? God is calling that guy. And oh my God, if God will call that guy, he'll call you. And it doesn't matter. You're not finished. You're not finished. You're not finished. Say it with me. I'm not finished. I am not finished. I am not finished. And listen, there are some of, some of you guys here. I'm trying to finish, guys. There are some of you guys here that your life is so screwed up. You've messed up so many times. You've written yourself off, much less the people who who have written you off. But you've written yourself off. And it's bad when somebody else writes you off. But when you write yourself off, it's bad. It doesn't matter how bad you think it is. The Father is still asking, who will I send? Who will I send? And you know what? I see the father. He's such a daddy. It's like he's talking to his little kids like you talk to yours. Like, I wonder who wants this lollipop. I wonder, is there anybody here? I don't see anybody here. You, know, you see what I'm saying? God knows. He knows who he's going to send. He's just waiting for us to partner with him. That is all. He's like, who do I send? I'll tell you who will send. Anybody that'll say yes. Anybody that'll say yes. That's who he'll send. That's who he'll send.